This is the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel, episode number 66. Welcome to the podcast. I wanted to give you a short introduction before I start playing this interview that I did for the podcast this week. I had the distinct privilege to sit down with my friend, Dr. Brent Calhoun, who has been retired since he had two very catastrophic strokes. He was a young man with small children when he had these strokes, and he was in the middle of his thriving career. In fact, he calls himself a stroke thriver. He does not like the word survivor. So he's a fascinating guy, and I'm super excited to have him on the podcast. He's been a hospital administrator. He has also worked for the American Animal Hospital Association. He's written columns for AHA's Trends Magazine and Veterinary Economics. He was the practice management co-editor for Veterinary Information Network, and he's provided hundreds of seminars on management topics for state and national groups in the past 20 years. And he has a passion for finding and applying what makes the difference in our physical, mental, and emotional health. And so I just thought he would be a great person for us to talk to today on the podcast. And I really hope you enjoy the conversation that we had. Without further ado, it's my friend, Dr. Brent Calhoun. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I have a very special um, guest for you. It's my friend, Dr. Brent Calhoun, and I'm super excited to have him on the podcast. He is a genius in my eyes, and so I just asked him to come on and talk a little bit and tell about his background and the things that he's done. He's been a leader for years in the veterinary community, and um, he's just a brilliant guy. So I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome. Well, thank you, Julie. It's exciting to be on here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. So why don't you um, tell the people out there on the podcast listening um, a little bit about yourself, you know, if you want to talk about your background or if you want to just kind of start from the beginning. Okay. Um, well, I was uh, raised in Flint, Michigan, and um, I went to uh, school in Grand Black, Michigan. Um, I was the, the third child of uh, four children. Uh, my oldest is my sister, then my brother, and then, of course, my other brother. It was fun to looking back uh, and going through uh, in preparation for uh, today's podcast. But um, I love to play outside and um, whatever it was uh, outside. Uh, in fact, I remember when it was raining really hard and I remember riding my bike through puddles and, and I just loved uh, doing that. I don't think they do so much uh, nowadays, but uh, it doesn't seem uh, like it, right? They're more indoor games now. Yes, um, my mom's goal was to get rid of us, <laughs> get out of uh, get her uh, out of her hair, and so we would uh, leave in the morning, and uh, if it wasn't a school day, and uh, play all day, and uh, we just were supposed to be back before the streetlights came on. 
Yeah, mm -hmm. that was that was back then when they didn't have cell phones to call us and tell us to come yeah. home, right? Exactly. That was a. Uh, it was really. It was fun, and I remember I used to get in trouble a lot, and uh, I was supposed to be back by this time the streetlights came on, but I maybe I didn't. I would say, "Well, uh, I didn't realize the time," and they got me a watch. <laughs> and then I sent my watch back. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so you purposefully were bad, a bad kid. <laughs> yes. Oh, anyway, so, but the, the other thing that I thought—it's um—it's a common theme throughout my life. Was uh, I'm always curious. I loved learning. I still love learning. And um, whether I, I was outside in nature, uh, I was interested. Uh, whether I, I loved to read, uh, I was reading um, something new, and that uh, was exciting. And in fact, um, for a while, I uh, got uh, the nickname, which I didn't like, from my friends was books. Oh. Uh, but um, so you were you were kind of a nerd, but yes, also, was, but also a troublemaker. Yes. <laughs> That's a good combination. A troublemaking nerd. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Yeah, um, and, that, and that's so important to to be um, have a thirst for knowledge. I think you know. Yes. And that, yeah, that's one of the reasons I admire you so much because I think you're one of those people that is constantly, you know, pushing the envelope and trying to learn, and you're open, and you always have impressed me as that kind of person. Um, thank it doesn't you. Doesn't surprise uh, me that you were a nerd. Yes. And. Um, <laughs> When I was uh, four years old, uh, my parents uh, bought some property up in the thumb of uh, Lake Michigan, or Michigan, and uh, along Lake Huron. And um, then they, uh, over the next five years, my dad uh, built uh, our cottage, and that became uh, our getaway. Um, and um, we go up there every summer for sure, but uh, sometimes uh, we spend Christmas up there. And it was really fun. And I um, spent summers up there until I was uh, 17. But um, it was uh, another place I could uh, explore the nature. And um, uh, it was fun. Yeah. So what about your um, education? Like, what, what drew you to veterinary medicine? It's, it's a good question. Um, I always uh, liked learning. Uh, so that was... Uh, in, in school, I found uh, I was um, more um, science oriented. Uh, I loved, I, I would uh, like anything. Uh, I was um, uh, drawn to uh, science and math. And um, in uh, 11th grade, uh, my family moved from the Grand Blank schools down to Birmingham uh, schools. My dad um, decided he was going to started on his own as a uh, residential construction. Anyways, um, in uh, Groves, I had a teacher in 11th grade who, uh, who taught uh, advanced biology. And um, I, I loved uh, her take on, on uh, the science, and she really encouraged me. And uh, so I um, uh, explored uh, what did I want to be when I grew up, so to speak. Yeah. And um, uh, I knew that uh, I liked science and I liked, I always loved uh, animals. My dad uh, used to have honey dogs uh, growing up and my uh, oldest sister 
uh, loved cats. My dad did not like cats, but <laughs> she would uh, have the cats and she would uh, um, not uh, keep them in the house, but um, uh, she would uh, uh, have a, uh, be in uh, the garage or outdoors and, and she still loves cats. I, I'm, I'm an equal opportunity person. I love them all, but uh, I love the animals. In fact, it was fun as my uh, mom was um, moving um, from uh, one house to retire up in our cottage. Uh, she found a book that I had in elementary school, and it was a book uh, about becoming a veterinarian. Oh, wow. And, um, so anyways, uh, when I looked at um, medicine, I decided human medicine didn't really uh, appeal to me. And I thought, I have a cousin who was a dentist, and I thought, no, I would not want to spend my day inside a mouth. But I knew that uh, the animals um, and the science uh, would be a, a perfect match. And so I decided I was going to be a veterinarian. Um, that's what I decided in 11th grade. So, uh, and I knew uh, my dad uh, had, um, had went to uh, Michigan State University. And my brother was um, going to uh, Michigan State at that time. And it was kind of natural uh, that I would uh, pick uh, Michigan State again. So um, I decided I was going to go to Michigan State and I was going to become a veterinarian. Now, um, you don't um, tell people uh, you should do this, but I did. And I just decided uh, that's going to happen and it's going to, it's going to fall in place. So you went to undergrad there and then vet school. Correct. I went, I went to, I had a, a three years undergrad and then I got into veterinary school. Well, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> you probably <laughs> well, did very well. <laughs> well, it was really funny because I did pretty good in the uh, undergrad, but then I got into veterinary medicine and I just got hammered. Really? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, uh, suddenly I, uh, went from um, uh, being kind of smart and uh, the uh, overall uh, um, student body. And then I got in veterinary medicine and I, they were all smart people. Right, I, exactly. <laughs> I realized, oh no, I got, got uh, beat up by that. But got to uh, step up your game, huh? Yes, yes. Yeah. So and, what, um, go ahead. No. So what did you do? So you got, she went through vet school and obviously you graduated, right? From Michigan State. And, yes. then, and then what? Like, what did you do? Well, um, and I got, I, I did a little, I, I weaved. And uh, when I was weaving, I decided uh, right out of veterinary school, I was going to take a break. And uh, I spent the summer, first I, pitched a ride with uh, one of um, uh, our instructors at uh, veterinary school. He was starting a residency in anesthesia uh, at uh, University of California in Davis. Mm -hmm. So I hitched a ride with him. He, uh, he decided uh, he was going to run a truck and uh, he was going to drive nonstop for um, basically uh, in 24 hours. Uh, or two days. Uh, wow. We uh, did that, and that was uh, <laughs> kind of uh, interesting. That's In an fact, adventure, uh, right? Oh, it was an adventure. Uh, and I remember 
it was a U-Haul truck, but um, it couldn't uh, go very fast up the mountains. I remember going like 40 miles an hour, slowly attempting to uh, get over the mountains. But then uh, we got it. I got there, and um, I had a friend who uh, had moved out to there earlier because he uh, graduated an undergraduate, so he moved down to Southern California two years earlier. But uh, so I hitched a ride to visit him in Venice, California, and that was fun. I spent a few weeks with him, um, but um, then uh, I had decided I was going to uh, go up to Alaska, and, um, and I had bought a ticket uh, on the Alaskan Marine Highway. I knew uh, um, where I was going to go on the Marine Highway uh, to there, and five weeks later, I was going to come back there. So I knew uh, my beginning point and my end point in Alaska. I just didn't know what would happen in the five weeks uh, that was uh, between them. So um, I am. Um, uh, then I. Uh, I am. Um, it was kind of fun. I um, got. I heard about this bus it was called uh, the green tortoise travel oh, and uh, they used that to take, <laughs> it was they used to take a, a old uh, city buses and they would pull out the um, seats out and they would build a platform above uh, that and underneath you could put all your stuff and then uh, if you wanted to uh, you could uh, roll out a sleeping bag and then you could uh, uh, sit back and uh, enjoy it uh, while they drove you uh, wherever they were going. But um, so I found uh, one um, bus that was going from Los Angeles to San Francisco. So, uh, and they would um, drive uh, all night. And during the day, they would um, let you uh, be around, go around to see the sights. So I saw San Francisco during the day. And then that night I got on the bus again. Then over the next 24 hours, they continued to drive to Seattle. Wow. And that was, uh, it was fa fascinating. And you did this yeah. by yourself? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you yes. were just on an adventure? Yes. That's pretty and, brave. And, yeah. In fact, uh, when I got onto the, uh, the boat uh, in uh, uh, Seattle, I met um, this one woman, she was probably in her 50s then, and she was convinced I was going to be killed <laughs> by somebody when I hit the uh, wilds of Alaska. Oh, boy. But um, anyways, uh, it was uh, quite an adventure, and uh, then I uh, got the boat uh, ride up to uh, Juneau, Alaska, and um, that was fun, except I didn't really understand Then in Juneau, uh, they get about 90 inches of rain a year. Wow, I which didn't know basically that. means yes, uh, basically it means that it rains all the time. Right, right. Worse so, than Seattle, it sounds like. Oh yes, wow. yeah, it's a, and, and um, I didn't quite uh, understand that until I was experiencing it uh, firsthand. <laughs> so it wasn't beautiful weather when you got there. No, oh. and in fact, I found out about Juno. Basically, the only way in or out of Juneau 
is either by boat or by plane. I wasn't, um, I didn't have much money. And so I knew that uh, plane wasn't an option. Right. So finally, after five days, I realized after five days of rain. Yeah. <laughs> that I had to get out of there. So I, and the other thing was happening, the um, Alaskan Marine uh, Highway was having um, employee, uh, employee uh, unrest uh, and there was a talk about uh, strike. And I thought, uh, I'm not really excited about being here a whole summer. Permanently, so, uh, right. Yes, so I quickly decided I'm gonna get out of here. And so um, uh, I got, uh, a ride on the Alaskan Marine Highway up to Skagway, which is the um, northernmost uh, city on the um, the lower por portion of uh, Alaska. Okay. And so um, then I am um, from there. I uh, I decided I was going to hike the Chil Chilkoot Trail. It got a. It was made famous by everybody when the Klondike. Uh, Gold uh, rush was going on. The Chilkoot uh, Trail was how the miners got up into the mountains. Wow! And so it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, so over the next three days, I met. Um, uh, just when I started out, I met three people from France. Um, they were decided they were going to hike uh, as well. And then they were decided that uh, when they um, got to the end of the um, trail, um, they would rent a car and they would drive to the the northernmost uh, place when the road stopped around the Arctic Circle. Oh wow, that's ambitious! <laughs> so, Did yeah, you go so, with them? <laughs> oh yes, I, I oh, attempted to. Like I um I only went uh, up to a certain point because uh, I was going uh, west and they wanted to continue to go north uh, towards the Arctic Circle. So um, that was uh, interesting. And yeah. It was fun because um, they were, uh, I uh, had, uh, I took uh, French in high school, but there, there's a whole difference between uh, taking it as, and, uh, as a class four years and uh, speaking it. Right. So um, they were, the three people were uh, varied two of the uh, people could speak English pretty well. So we mostly conversed in English. Fourth, as the third um, uh, woman, she was a girlfriend of the one of the guys and um, she didn't speak uh, very much uh, English at all. So uh, we would always start uh, the day when I would say bonjour and she would say hello because she was practicing her English okay. and I was practicing my French. So but anyways, teaching each other. Yes, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then I um, um, left them. It was really, it was quite an adventure. But uh, anyways, then I uh, hitchhiked uh, west uh, and got back into, uh, from Canada to uh, um, Alaska in the United States. And then I went uh, up towards uh, Fairbanks. And uh, then I went uh, south to uh, Anchorage, uh, but along the way I um, stopped um, and saw a Mount McKinley. Uh, apparently I was uh, lucky because most people or a lot of people 
it is uh, just too cloudy. You know, no oh. surprise. Yeah. Uh, in the um, inland of uh, Alaska, it doesn't rain quite as much as it does uh, down in the southeastern uh, Alaska. But um, maybe, uh, in fact, it's really interesting. In the interior of Alaska, it doesn't really rain a lot. In fact, in the winter, there's some parts of uh, Alaska that does not get much snow. Um, they say it's a uh, uh, they're um, they're almost like desert, but um, it's different because it's uh, it gets cold. But right. um, but they anyways, don't have a lot of snow. Like people think of Alaska being full of yes. snow. It's not the truth. Yes. Yeah. Right. In some parts, is this is weird. Hmm. But anyways, uh, and then uh, um, because uh, the uh, mom McKinley was um, beautiful. Uh, I got uh, within uh, 60 miles uh, from it, but um, anyways, and then the uh, then I went down to Alaska or Anchorage, and then um, and then I finally weaved my way back to uh, the boat in Haines, Alaska, another city in the uh, southeastern uh, Alaska, and then I slowly went down to uh, Seattle, and then I hitchhiked back to. Uh, uh, Los Angeles, and so I had a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, finally, I decided I was running out of money and credit, and uh, I had to get back and uh, uh, had to uh, get a job. Huh? Yes. <laughs> so in October, I got a job at um, an emergency uh, clinic in um, southeastern Michigan. Uh, it was in Oakland County, and I found that uh, my first job as an emergency medicine was uh, challenging and um, lots of it I loved uh, the work. The only thing I didn't like really was the uh, schedule. The clinic was uh, staffed by two veterinarians. So basically they um, uh, were responsible for making sure that it was open. Uh, it wasn't open 24 hours. That was before the um, emergency clinics uh, became 24 hours. hours yeah. But uh, we worked a shift uh, from 6 p.m. to um, 9 a.m. the next morning. And then on uh, uh, Saturday, uh, uh, Sunday, we uh, used to be open 24 hours. So the way we would work from Sunday through Thursday, uh, one person would work evenings, and then they uh, would take uh, Friday off and then they would work Sunday during the day. Okay. And um, So that, that would get to wear on you probably, huh? Oh, I didn't really like that at all. How many years so, did you do that? How many years? Just a year. Emergency? Just one year? Yeah. And I, again, I really loved it, but uh, I didn't really like uh, the environment. Um, uh, so anyways, the next I um, switched over was I started to work for the Back then, it was uh, new. It was uh, uh, the first uh, feline medicine in Michigan. And um, the person, her name is uh, Terry Ryan. Uh, she was very uh, fascinating. But uh, what I realized, feline medicine was really good because I found out I really loved uh, internal medicine, but I didn't like surgery too much. Okay. And um, and uh, feline medicine was perfect because it didn't uh, 
entail uh, so much of surgery as it did internal medicine. Right. Yeah. So that was a all feline practice at the time. Correct. Okay. And uh, that was another interesting thing because all these cats came in there. And I always thought that cats, uh, when they were uh, in the veterinary medicine uh, environment, were not very friendly as right. a rule. <laughs> yeah. And I learned that it isn't really about that, it's about the uh, dogs. Exactly. And, um, you take it's the dogs rough, away, right? mm -hmm. and they uh, most of the cats get friendly. Yeah, and they thought, calm oh, down. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. So, how many years uh, were you there? I was there for three years. Okay. And the other thing that was kind of fascinating was um, during the three years, I was the only male there, so uh, that was a little bit interesting. Um, but um, they tend to to push um, onto me. Uh, the uh, business side of the uh, oh, the practice. That's um, interesting. And um, yeah, the owner loved uh, medicine, and we thought it too. But uh, anything else, she just didn't, wasn't interested. You didn't love the business side. No. Yeah. And um, and I found that um, I was um, finding out uh, a lot of things I liked uh, about the business side of uh, the practice. And um, so that's how you got into starting to do that side of it, the business well, side. I, yeah, I did. But uh, the other thing that was fascinating remember the time, there most uh, practices were not computerized, right? And um, it was all paper, yes. And uh, she decided uh, to her credit, she was going to get into the computerized uh, trend really she was on the leading edge and she decided uh, she was going to deputize me and uh, said would you please uh, find us a computer system that uh, will do it so, so you um, learn all that then oh yes yeah so uh and i used to in back in school in undergrad uh, i was in uh, the lyman briggs uh, college and okay. they required one uh semester one term back then semester is now but uh one term of uh computer science i had uh yeah but i hated it because uh, <laughs> uh it um it was uh, so it required so much time yes and, it is um, detail oh, oh crazy yeah so uh but anyways i um though i didn't like it i um liked enough of it that i was um Put it to work with this um, project of computerizing the practice. Okay. And um, I went uh, in January, of course, the same way it was uh, now, it used to be now, was the uh, Michigan Veterinary Conference was going on. And I just thought it would be natural to go up there and uh, look at the computer systems that vendors were hawking them. Right. And so we went up there, and there was probably uh, five or seven uh, uh, different companies that were at the uh, conference. And one of them was this guy from Canada, from uh, Ontario. He was a, a computer uh, programmer, and he had got together with a veterinarian in Ontario, this guy who both uh, the veterinarian and the the programmer loved uh, veterinary medicine. And um, 
he decided to, um, over the next three years, uh, he devised this system. And it really was the early, it really was an innovator. And uh, was, they, it like uh, first, was it like the first collaboration where a computer company actually wrote a program for veterinary hospitals? Something like it that. Was. And the other thing, uh, unlike uh, so many of the computer systems at the time were doing it, he didn't uh, use the uh, invoice as the central point. He used the medical record. Oh. And okay. uh, so PSI, then the precursor of the um, PSI and ABS formed, they formed the company, which was in IDEX. Oh, IDEX, yeah. So that was before yeah. IDEX was even a company, huh? Oh. Uh, well, they were started out, um, they uh, initially were a company that did, uh, they would test water for city uh, oh. um, water systems. Yeah, yeah, like kept quality control kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. And uh, that was, David Shaw got a uh, grant from the uh, state of Maine, and he um, incorporated uh, doing uh, that. It's kind of like um, Hewlett Packard. The uh, Hewlett Packard, they were two people. The engineers started out as um, doing something totally different than computers, um, right. but they didn't uh, find that uh, they were very uh, successful doing what they started, so they pivoted. And anyways, um, PSI and AVS and some of the other uh, names which are now lost uh, to people, they all uh, focused on the invoice. And they said, uh, they, anything about the medical record will be just to add on. Okay. And so that differentiated what he did. And I, so I went back to the owner. I said, hey, this is great. Yeah, look at the price because uh, Turned out he wanted to get into the United States uh, and he wanted uh, practices that would buy his system. Oh, so so we, uh, like, a, like one of the first ones. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, sort of like a beta That's cool. uh, site. Yeah. So anyways, over the next uh, year and a half, I really got into it. And um, I learned all sorts of things about computers, like using the modem and connecting by... Uh, phone lines to computers and transferring uh, files. So uh, because I found being a beta site meant that uh, a lot of um, ideas weren't uh, flushed out very good. Right. So there was probably a lot of issues. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I still remember a lot of times I would, uh, the owner's name was Ron. I'd say, Ron, why don't we do this? And he'd say, why? <laughs> and I say, well, because of this and this and this. And they said, well, that's a good idea. And so they so needed would, somebody on the ground to kind of test it. And that was yes. you. Yeah. Um, and so, and then uh, two weeks later, he would uh, design uh, a new feature. Huh. So, um, so it was fun. Um, one thing I didn't realize, he um, was an innovator. He was not very systematic approach to uh, the whole uh uh, system. And so we'd fix one thing, but he would broke another or something uh, uh, new would now become uh, come, um, broken. Okay. So uh, 
But so I didn't realize it was a constant battle to to keep them going. Yeah, it was a push and pull uh, uh, way to get it to all work together. Yeah. So that job, the feline practice was three years, you said, and this computer thing and getting into the business side of it. Then what was after that? Was that when you went to MVS or what? No, no it wasn't. Uh, I still weave a lot. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I decided that I was going to sell this program. It was such a great thing. Such a, It was like sliced bread. Uh, everybody needs this. Right. Um, so they needed a, an evangelist to oh. go out and uh, tell them about it. Huh. But I realized I um, about the third or fourth demonstration of uh, to sell uh, the program, I realized that uh, I did not, what I thought was such a great thing, it was a total computer medical record system. Nobody wanted to hear that. Really? I would say, you see this whole, a uh, wall of records you have. Right, they'll go away. Yes. Yeah. And it would put the terror into their eyes. I bet. Yeah. And I realized they would not want to hear that they could put their records onto this computer. They just weren't ready for that. No, they weren't. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I realized, oh boy, I made a mistake. <laughs> so was that your full-time job is selling this software and this oh, I thought it would be you thought it would but, be uh, but it didn't work out that way it very quickly became my part-time job okay. while I still did uh, relief work thank goodness there was oh, uh, yeah an active um, uh, relief work available to uh, to me right. yeah so uh, over the next three years I attempted to push the um, computer system and uh, but I only sold three copies of it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's not very successful. <laughs> it's not. But you were and, on uh, the leading edge. See, it probably another couple of years, and you would have been a millionaire on that, right? Well, maybe. But yeah. uh, one um, uh, one of my clients uh, that uh, bought it, he loved it so much. His name was Dick Lanier, which you know. Oh yeah, I know um, him. And. Uh, Dick Lanier was a partner in uh, the Veterinary Emergency Service. So he, he loved it so much, he ordered a second uh, copy for his emergency clinic. Nice. Which, um, that was nice. And he consulted with a third um, veterinarian who's over on the east side, Dine Veterinary Hospital. And uh, Dine decided he would order the third copy. So, okay. So three, that was your three. <laughs> yes, but unfortunately, it really was just one, Dick Lanier. Yeah. And, um, so that was I, kind of, in a way, a, a little bit of a failure probably at the time, right? Was that hard on you? Like, well, what could you tell people about going through something like that? And how, do you, how did you look at it in a, in a well, more positive way? Well, um, I don't, uh, in general, I don't think I have uh, saw my, life as having failures. Okay. I just saw it, it was a place I had to pivot. <laughs> That's amazing. I like that. I like that pivot word. So it, it's yes. not a failure, it's a pivot point. Yes. Okay, there's the title point. of your book. You said you wanted to write a book. Let's call it Pivot Point. I don't <laughs> know if there's any books named that, but there you go. You got it. That's a good idea. I'll write the foreword, you write the book. <laughs>
No, that's really great. Um, but because um, I found that I, fortunately I could still uh, do the relief work as a, a bill paying uh, way to get some uh, money in. Okay. But along that time, uh, one of the um, uh, members of a veterinary group is uh, called the Moms, yes. which uh, you know. The Macomb uh, Oakland Management Seminars, right? Is that what it's called? Right. We always yes. call it Moms, and people think that's weird, but it that's it was a it's a good group. Yes, yeah. and um, his name is Steve Steep. He uh, invited me over to his house and showed me. He he really was. Um, an innovator, he still is, about this um, computer and all that uh, it could do for us. And of course, I was in the midst of uh, selling uh, mine, so I went over and talked with him. About the same, excuse me, about the same time, I got involved in the Veterinary uh, Interface Network. And uh, we were talking a, a lot of, about the um, trends that were going on at the time. He told me about this job search that uh, the American Animal Hospital Association, AHA, was uh, looking for new consultants. Uh -huh. So I thought, hmm, maybe I could do this. Yeah, that's so, interesting, um, huh? I decided I was going to uh, apply for the job, and um, I got I went out there and uh, was in interviewed for the position. The uh, person decided they were going to hire me part-time, and that was perfect for me because um, it allowed me to pursue my other uh, interests. Interests, yeah. So one week a month, I would go out and uh, I would consult, or really it was an inspection, AHA was attempting to change the focus and the scope of the what this person who became their consultant. And so over the next three years, I worked all over the United States and um, Canada and visited hospitals and did uh, inspections. Okay, but, for um, AHA. Yes, uh, yeah. but uh, they were more of a consultation. I just made sure that they um, uh, adhered to uh, many of the standards that AHA had for them to... Um, to certify the hospitals? Is that what yes. it was? Yeah. So if, yeah. if the hospitals were applying to be certified, then you would go out and make sure that they were meeting all the standards. Correct. That's either kind of they do it now, you know. Either yeah. if, they was, uh, if it was a new uh, practice that had not been certified or others that were certified, but they had to be recertified. Okay. So uh, it was fascinating. Uh, and I got to see uh, all uh, these um, ways they did veterinary medicine. Yeah, because it's, like it's varied, right? From practice to practice. It's amazing variety. It was. Yeah. And uh, I learned uh, some did things really good. <laughs> some things did things <laughs> that were not so good. Right, right. And probably, probably a, a big variety of that. It was fascinating. I remember I'd see uh, practices that could barely uh, be a, a high certified uh, hospital. And I saw ones that were being the uh, shining star of uh, AHA. Like so well beyond the standards, huh? Yeah, it was yeah. great.
So was it was AHA and and the VIN because you said that was kind of how you got in there was that they were one and the same or they were no, branches? Um, no, they were totally different uh, um, okay. entities. So it was um, part time. Yes. Okay. Paul Pion, who's a veterinary cardiologist, and um, uh, Duncan Ferguson, who's a pharmacologist, veterinary pharmacologist at uh, Georgia, they were deciding, uh, they were starting uh, this entity, and uh, that was when they, um, way back when uh, American online uh, uh, company offered uh, them a place to hold their, they were called chats, okay. uh, and they uh, it, it grew, uh, uh, and grew and grew and grew, and I um, decided um, I was going to be the their moderator for business uh, practices. Okay, so you were in the business side then more. Yes. Yeah, and and, and did uh, you have any like formal business training at the time, other no. than what you had learned on your own? So it no, just it was, evolved. It wasn't like you went and got a business degree or anything. No. Yeah. In fact, amazing. Uh, I love that. A lot of people I would meet or I would work with would say, where did you get your MBA? And I would say, <laughs> uh, on the job. Yeah, it was a, it was a on the job MBA. That's, that's great. It's, yeah. It comes back to the fact that the curiosity I have was uh, served me well because I, I would always find about something uh, I didn't know, so I uh, would dwell into it and would uh, become more proficient. And then learn, yeah, yeah. So the AHA gig, how long did that go? Did that lead, yeah. to, uh, did that lead to Michigan Veterinary Specialists or how did that come about? No, um, it lasted about three years. Okay. And, um, Seems to be your pattern, that, about three years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess attention I, span. Yeah, yeah. until uh, Michigan Veterinary Specialists, I guess it was, but uh, during the, the time of AHA, I decided um, I was going to do this consulting work with other practices. Okay. So I started to branch out and uh, did that over uh, the whole uh, United States and a few uh, clients in Canada. That was fun and it was fascinating. I would go in and spend two or three days with them and then I would uh, go back and write all my findings up and would work with them if they wanted to for afterwards I visited them. So um, I loved that and I started doing that and I was, it was to the point between AHA and them, I was uh, gone at least uh, 15 days a month and I uh, liked it. Yeah. Um, but then I decided uh, one of my clients that I started to work with was uh, in Michigan and Dan Lorimer uh, was the, um, had started, he and his then wife had got out, they had become board certified practitioners. He was in ophthalmology and his wife, uh, Laura DeLellis, was in cardiology. So they started uh, this uh, new uh, idea called uh, Michigan Veterinary Specialist. And then and they that was, started. That was the first one in Michigan, I think, right? Or was well, it the first one? First specialty hospital, I guess, or specialty practice. It's a. Uh, it depends on who you talk with. 
Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> so it's up for with, debate. Yes, uh, Lucy Shields, she would tell you, no, I was the first. Okay, so there's some competition there. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. And they uh, talked about it, about uh, joining forces, but it became apparent that they had different philosophies. Okay, so they kind of started at the same time. Yes. Yeah, and then yep. so how did they get you in there? Well, um, Dan, uh, it turned out he was um, he was in the year behind uh, my class. His okay. class was, I graduated in 1984 and they graduated in 1985, but they have a sibling program. Or maybe it was uh, going when you went through. Yes. But, uh, mm -hmm. So I had an older sibling, and then I got assigned to a younger sibling. Right. I got assigned to Dan Warmer. Okay, so that's how you met. Yes, and I, I thought that Dan's uh, two years older than I. I think that he didn't really um, need much advice, I thought, but uh, I guess it uh, must have made an impact on him. And so after he got out and came back to Michigan Veterinary Specialist, he wanted uh, help. Okay. And, uh, and he said, hey, come on. Uh, I met him at, again, at a party, uh, veterinary party. And he said, hey, come on over and uh, work with us. And so I started working with them. And probably uh, over the next five years, I worked with them on a consultant basis. Okay. So you weren't actually working there, it was more of a, of a consultation on the business side. So you weren't Correct. practicing medicine at that time. No, I was not. Okay. And I was slowly finding that I was getting less and less uh, relief work and more and more consulting work. Okay. All and, right. Um, so that's how you ended up there. Finally, uh, uh, Dan um, started to uh, put the idea in me about coming to, and working for him full time. Okay. And, uh, First, I thought, why should I do it now? Because I'm uh, my consulting business is going great. I'm gone uh, about half of the month. And I thought, wait a second. If I uh, project this in the future, and I think um, that means I'm going to be gone more and more a month, I thought, wait a second, I want to be here. Right. So mm -hmm. I realized it was not ideal uh, not an ideal uh, career, so I decided I was going to go and work full-time for him, and then I uh, became, uh, uh, two years later, I bought into the partnership. Okay, so then that's where you stayed? Correct, for the next thir 13 years, that's okay. what I, and I, I, I loved it. Uh, I would still be there, I, uh, but anyways, um, we, uh, I was with there. The first uh, location was in Southfield, uh, Southfield, Michigan. Right. And then um, we uh, branched out to Auburn Hills, Michigan. And that was, <laughs> that was uh, an interesting uh, adventure. Yeah. Um, and then uh, three years, I think three years later, or four years later, we uh, branched out to a third location in Grand Rapids. Okay. So, uh, it was fascinating to be part of the expansion, but uh, at times it was uh, nail biting. Right. Yeah. It was. Pro it probably was. It was probably a lot of risk involved. So what? Like what lessons did you learn from that? Well, um, life lessons can we share? 
Well, I, I think there was really a three uh, uh, lessons I learned. Uh, systematize, uh, that was so important because we had to take uh, what worked at uh, Southfield and transfer it to Auburn Hills and then to Grand Rapids. And uh, of course it wasn't exact, we had to alter uh, it, but uh, we had the same um, system uh, to advance from. Okay. And then the other thing was planning. We, of course, we had to plan constantly. Uh, of course, we know that a uh, plan uh, is uh, obsolete as soon as it starts to, you start to work it. Right. But uh, we still um, had to, because it's fascinating, um, even though you plan, it's because um, the reason it's so good because it gets uh, my mind uh, to work about uh, the different uh, scenarios in advance. Maybe none none of the scenarios ever come to ever come to be, but because they um, keep my mind uh, mobile and flexible, it uh, finds the right uh, solution. Right. And the other thing, the third thing, we always had to recruit. And that uh, is true whether you're in a small practice, you have to recruit new employees, new clients. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's always difficult. That's always challenging. It it is. So at this time, when you were at uh, Michigan Veterinary Specialists, were you, did you have a family? Were you married? Like what was going on in your personal life? Did, was that part um, of the deal or with wanting to stay put? Around the time, uh, about halfway through my consulting career, uh, I met my, uh, who became my wife. She also, she works for the advertising world industry. Okay. She was a producer. So her job was to make sure that the job was done on time and, uh, uh, within budget. She didn't love uh, that aspect of her work, but in advertising, they allow the producer to um, go to, uh, they call them the shoots. They, so she'd go on site and she would um, always make suggestions to make it a little better commercial. Right. And then, then she would get to come back and edit, be part of the editing team and until they had the finished product. Okay. And that's what she really loved about uh, the, her work. Right. Uh, and probably the producing. Right. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. How many years were you at um, Michigan Veterinary Specialists? I was there 13 years. Okay. And then I had a little hiccup. Um, okay. Uh, kind of um, a big hiccup, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Changed my life uh, irrevocably. Right. Um, uh, Because uh, it didn't matter what I thought I should uh, go back to. Over two days, I had uh, uh, two strokes. Uh, They were ischemic, which means the blood flow is constricted. Apparently, what happened was apparently I had a, a swelling or an aneurysm of my internal left internal carotid, wow. um, and um, they, uh, it took them uh, six days to find out what uh, caused it. So I was in the hospital for five and a half weeks, but the first one happened while, while I slept on a Wednesday night. 
I uh, woke up on Thursday morning and, um, and I was getting uh, ready to go to work and I fell. It oh. is really unusual for me. me. Yeah. But I just popped up and I thought, that's odd. Well, I wonder why, why I fell. But uh, I didn't think anything of it. And I took my shower and uh, started to drive towards uh, Auburn Hills. So you didn't because, feel anything? You didn't no, feel no. Different. No. And, um, and uh, we used to do uh, meetings uh, uh, by a specialty. So once a month, when the surgeon and the surgeries team met, the oncology team met, the uh, internal medicine met. They just met on different days of the week. And um, the other thing, I would attempt to go to the different locations to um, be there and uh, use um, that as an opportunity to get uh, intimate with uh, the operations. But anyways, I was going up to Auburn Hills. I think it was oncology team was meeting at 8 o'clock. And um, I was um, late, so I just pulled off at a Panera um, restaurant. That was when we could uh, uh, use uh, computers and uh, phones to get together um, people uh, in different places. So um, I was there in Panera. Others were there in Auburn Hills. Others were there in Southfield, and others were there in. Uh, Grand Rapids. Okay. And, um, but um, I didn't really feel well. I need to step back a little bit. I used to get migraines, migraines okay. for about three to five days of, uh, when they would hit me. And I was in the midst of uh, a migraine uh, event. When I usually happens. have them probably three times a year, four times, but who knows? Uh, right. um, I just uh, dealt with it. Right. And I, I, they had started in high school, but I didn't think anything of it. You were used to it, yeah. And the other thing, uh, three years prior to the, this incident, uh, I had a, a transient ischemic accident. It's interesting. Uh, it was also, I pulled off in uh, Panera. Uh, I was in Birmingham, Michigan at that time, and I um, decided, um, I had to go to the, the bathroom, I had to urinate, and uh, the whole right side of my body went numb. So this was, thought, this was a few years before your actual strokes? It's three years before. Oh, wow. Hmm. And, um, scary. <laughs> and so I was attempting to uh, go to the bathroom, and I had this whole right side of my body was numb. Wow. And I thought, That's really odd. I got done and I sat down in the Panera about five or 10 minutes. It still was numb. I thought I probably should not ignore it. I right. should probably call the emergency. Uh, and so I called 911 and then I called the uh, management of the Panera while I was in their, off, uh, in their restaurant. And I said, hi, um, I just called the uh, ambulance. So they're going to come here. <laughs> so be ready. Be um, ready for some drama. Yeah. So uh, I got uh, got to go to the hospital, and over the next six hours, uh, it, the numb numb uh, 
feeling went away. Huh. But the uh, doctor who turned out um, he's the father of the another mom's member, uh, Mike uh, Dvorkian. Okay. And anyways, um, he convinced me, maybe uh, coerced me uh, <laughs> to uh, stay in the hospital so they could observe uh, me. He told me um, it was probably a transient ischemic accident. Uh, I should probably be checked out. So I got a uh, ultrasound, um, carotid ultrasound the next day in the hospital. They uh, it came back as perfect. They said wow. there's no uh, no uh, thickening, uh, no sclerosis. Uh, no. You're fine. It's not so there. They, so you didn't you weren't on any medication or anything then for those no. three years between that instant and your strokes. The only thing that happened in that uh, time, of course, I went uh, went I took uh, the emergency medicine doctor's recommendation and I. Uh, worked with a neurologist, and he used, uh, I had an MRI, uh, I think probably an MRA, a uh, um, magnetic resonant image uh, and mm -hmm. a magnetic uh, resonant arthroscope. And he looked for anything that uh, could explain my transient ischemic accident. Right. I suspect uh, they couldn't um, pick up or he missed uh, the... Um, aneurysm yeah um, and i suspect um it's connected to the the bouts of uh, <laughs> the headaches uh oh your migraines yes yeah. yes yes yeah because um the fascinating thing is uh when i went through the two uh uh strokes the uh, i've never had a headache since then really so it was all kind of related probably wow but it's weird because Nothing changed uh, in my body, really. Right. I still have the aneurysm, okay. uh, but um, I suspect there's something uh, related to uh, um, the episode of uh, the clots. Yeah. So, what happened during the stroke? Like, what was that like, and what did you experience? And well, um, the, the really, I didn't feel anything because uh, I suspect the first one took out my speech center. Because you were slowly, in Panera, though this was happening in Panera when you called nine one one, right? Well, the first one. Yes. Okay. The first one were, happened. The the stroke part. You were at Panera talking to your team, right, on the phone. Okay. Yes. All right. In fact, so then uh, what happened? And then uh, it was uh, done. Uh, the hour meeting was over, and I told my uh, my manager, who was also on the call, I said, you know, Kathy, I don't feel very good. I think I'm gonna go home and uh, get some more rest. Yeah. Which of course, as a veterinarian, you know, we don't do this. Right, right, we don't rest. <laughs> we so should, I, but we don't, <laughs> right. So I uh, shocked her and she said, okay. And, um, and I came back, I didn't even call my wife and tell her, uh -oh. I just went home and uh, went to bed. I slept for three, four hours. And I got up and I still had the headache, but I felt better. And um, at that time we had a nanny um, and she came uh, while I was asleep. And then I came out and surprised her. And uh, she said, what are you doing home? Yeah. And I could still talk and I 
flu, explained to her that I thought I had the flu or something. So um, so uh, she said, okay. Um, uh, so she went and uh, took care of our two sons, uh, as she usually did. And um, I uh, still rested in uh, my bedroom. And then that evening, my older boy had a recital. So I decided that I was going to take my car. My wife was going to take her car. And our nanny was going to take her car and the youngest boy. Okay. During the recital, I was um, I had a videotape and I was videoing him, but I noticed in retrospect, I noticed I didn't find that I talked too much. What I expect was going on was my speech center, what my speech capability was deteriorating. But um, when it was over, my wife said she was taking her my two boys to the um, ice cream place and get them an ice cream, she would meet me at home. And I didn't tell her. I thought I would uh, stop at the library in case I um, was going to take the next day off in case I my headache was still bothering me. So I was going to get some um, DVDs to watch. Okay. So, went to the um, library. Yes. So, um, that's where I was when she, Connie, my wife, uh, when she came home and I wasn't there and she expected me to be home. And she said, she called me on the cell phone. She said, where are you? And that's when I knew I had a problem. I couldn't answer. Really? I said, not at all? No. I attempted to, um, I attempted to squeak out uh, her answer and of course, she's a producer, so she went into the producer mode, and she played 20 questions. Yeah. Are you at Kroger's? Are you oh, no. buying grocery? I said, no. Are you at the CVS, the pharmacy place? I said, no. And she finally said, are you at the library? And I said, yes. And she said, well, I come home now. We'll, we'll, we'll sort this all out. And of course, if she or I thought I had the stroke, they never would have had me get in back in the car. Right. Yeah. Um, but I did. And um, she, meanwhile, had attempted to get our physician on the, the phone and uh, find out what it could be. Right. He uh, thought it maybe could be a stroke. Neither one of us, uh, I was 50, neither one of us thought ever thought it could be that. Right. Yeah. Um, Who would think? Who would have yeah. who thought? Yeah. So uh, Connie convinced me that she could drive me to the hospital. I didn't really want to, but I decided I better go. Right. And I decided uh, to let her drive. Thank <laughs> that goodness. That was also a good idea. <laughs> yeah. And um, why we were, at the time, we used to um, use the bone matcha system, the, a, a large hospital in Royal Oak, Michigan, uh, about 13 miles from our house. We decided we were going to go there because uh, um, we always did. But um, um, I was that was back when um, technology was emerging and I had a BlackBerry yeah. and it would uh, connect with uh, emails with others. Okay. And so I, I decided I was going to email my partners, my managers, 
my personal assistant. I was just going to give him a heads up, say, hey, I'm going to the hospital. It's probably no big deal. I thought I was being very clear and very concise. But uh, eight weeks later, when I finally uh, saw the email, it was gobbledygook. Really? So... So you you thought you were thinking straight, but you really weren't. Like oh, yes. your body wasn't wasn't connecting. Correct. Wow, that's interesting. So you so you felt like your brain was working fine, but it obviously yes. wasn't. Wow. Yes. So you couldn't yes. talk. You couldn't no. speak. And then what about physically? Were you able to move fine, or did yes, that? Uh, yes, um, that was fine. Um, I found that my um, body like when they say uh they say now use the fast to determine if you should be worried about the stroke and the fast stands for i should i should know but anyways you're supposed to smile you're supposed to uh, yeah yeah uh, pong or something yeah yeah so um uh i had all the right functions they're normal it's just i was uh having difficulty speaking huh and, um, so that's the s of uh fast but right. anyways um i could still talk i just couldn't talk uh, as well or as um normally i was losing as the day went on wow and um so i, I went to the um hospital and then the, over the next three hours, I, he ordered a CAT scan, and they found out I had the stroke. Wow. He, he came in about 11 o'clock on Thursday night, and he told me I had a stroke, and I couldn't believe what he was saying. I bet not. And, um, and uh, so he advised that I should um, stay there and uh, be observed. I said, okay. So I got transferred to uh, the floor, that day, a neurologist uh, came and uh, examined me, and she noticed maybe um, she concurred that my speech center was gone, but uh, that was it at that point. Okay. And then uh, Friday night or early Saturday morning, that's when I had the massive uh, stroke, which uh, took out the right side um, of my uh, motor function of my body. And um, and the smooth muscle function was affected. Wow! So when they when you had the first stroke, they didn't put you on like the clot busting medications and all that stuff. Is the that because they is, didn't do it then, or is it no, they didn't think you were that bad, or what was the reasoning? The main reason was they didn't they didn't have a they didn't know when the first time when the first event happened. Oh, okay. Because it has to be in a short period of time. Yeah, it has to be within. Then it then it was three hours. Gotcha. Um, All right. And uh, by eleven o'clock on Thursday night, probably uh, twenty four hours before, uh, maybe twenty hours before when the event happened. Okay. So the second stroke wasn't part of your speech. That was a different, a whole different part of your brain that had the stroke. It yes, affected uh, your right side. Yep. It yeah. turned out that it was a clot. There is two two clots separate times. The second one uh, took out the um, the right uh, the left portion of my brain that controls the motor function 
of my right side of my body. Okay. So basically, I was paralyzed on the right side. And um, of course, uh, it took out, uh, it affected my uh, uh, bladder function and uh, my stool um, function. Not so much, but. Uh, um, but that was part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was fun for the next three, about well, three and a half weeks. Uh, it was fun. I got an uh, uh, appointment uh, with the catheterization uh, team. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> well, uh, it was what it was. Um, yeah. But uh, every four to six hours, I, uh, they would uh, catheterize my bladder and uh, empty it. And uh, slowly, um, uh, I began to get uh, my um, bladder function back. And my, fortunately, my bowels only were uh, disrupted about uh, five days. And so that was uh, not too bad. So, so how um, did you handle all that emotionally? Like, how, how was that waking up and being like, okay, I not only had one stroke, but now I've had a second one that took out half of my body. Like, how did you handle that? Uh, it's funny, Julie. And I don't know if it's denial or it's acceptance. Okay. I guess it's a little bit of both. Right. Because um, I never really got um, angst or uh, upset or worried too much about uh, what was happening because I realized I would have little trips in my brain. I would say, what's going on? This is permanent. This is a uh, big. And I would say, oh, well, I'm going to just deal with that. It is, what it, is, is. what it is. Yeah. 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 Well, and that's, so that's, and that's so true. I mean, that's that's the lesson, right, is when things happen out of our control that we just have to, you know, manage our mind around it and try to look at what you do have left, you know. Correct. Yeah. And that's, um, that's what uh, I have done. In fact, a lot of that um, happened was uh, I found that I was kind of like a part-time spiritual believer. And um, what I found was um, when that uh, episode occurred, I figured I better get all in uh, to this uh, belief. Get all into God, huh? <laughs> yes, because uh, I figured if uh, it's not right, maybe when I die, I found out there is no, uh, no afterlife. At least uh, during the time I have left, I will be more at peace. Yes. And I wouldn't if I worried. Right. Yeah. So that then you became more of a believer, huh? Yes. So and, uh, go ahead. Nope. So what like what lessons other than just accepting what is, what lessons did you learn going through that whole experience? Because I'm assuming it was a long battle back, right? If you were totally oh, yes. paralyzed, like how long did it take you to start to get your speech back and your body back? How long of a battle was that? Um, it's still uh, ongoing because um, I still <laughs> don't know. Uh, like I think I know up in here, but I uh, cannot tell you uh, because I cannot think of the word I want. But um, So you struggle uh, to pick up words. Oh, yes. I still yeah. do that. And, of course, uh, the right side of my body is still affected. I'm grateful. Uh, I drive. Uh, I'm grateful for that. But anyways, uh, 
five and a half weeks of uh, time in the hospital, um, they have to uh, discharge me. And um, my wife was uh, in the midst of uh, going out to Los Angeles to do a two-week shoot. And wow. she was beside herself because how was, how was she going to deal with this with two young children at home, even with a nanny, she's an employee, not a, not a um, family member. Right, right. My, my parents uh, lived either up north or uh, down south in the uh, winter at Texas or Alabama. Connie's dad and stepmom were really, um, they also had a property up in Boyne City. <clears throat> so um, that wasn't really an option. So I came back home for five days. Anyways, um, after five days at home, she, uh, my wife got me into a, excuse me, acute uh, care uh, facility. Yeah. And so I was the, there for three weeks. Okay. And slowly, uh, um, then I uh, went back uh, home. I had uh, four months of uh, outpatient uh, therapy and, um, that's when the speech therapy, the physical therapy, and the occupational therapy all work together to um, improve uh, my life. So you kind of started to just slowly get some things back. Yes. Uh, and were you able? I remember. To... You what? Oh, um, I remember. Uh, I couldn't uh, really uh, do anything. To uh, slowly, I got. I could get into the wheelchair, and then I could uh, learn to uh, push myself. So slowly, I get it, get um, up uh, on a walker. Uh, then I slowly I got a wide base uh, cane, a narrow base cane, cane, and then uh, I was finally free. Wow! And so you couldn't work, I'm assuming. Did it just, it changed your whole work life. It changed everything. It did. Yeah. Dan Lorimer, uh, bless his heart. After eight months, uh, I went back uh, to part-time, but it was so clear that I could not do what I had done before. So um, he had me work in a project basis uh, on a part-time basis. I could go back uh, 12 hours a week. And, um, okay. So I did, I went, uh, twice a week, I uh, would go in there for about six hours, and I would work on projects. And during that time, um, in July that uh, year, so I, it was while I was still out, Michigan Veterinary Specialists merged with uh, Georgia Veterinary Specialists, which uh, Dan was a partner of that. Okay. And um, then with the Blue Pearl Veterinary Partners, and they were um, they were down in uh, Tampa, Florida, New York City, and uh, Kansas City. Um, so th they had three locations. We um, came together. Uh, the five sites all came together into the Blue Pearl Veterinary Partners in July. That became official. So in October, I um. One of the projects I did was to look at where there were um, everywhere across the country 
uh, were there specialty and emergency practices as a poten potential mix, a place uh, a practice that we could start some conversation with them to see if they would be interested in joining uh, Blue Pearl Veterinary Partners. Okay, so you remained employed with them in a, in a smaller capacity. Correct. Okay. Dan was still, uh, Go ahead. he was still working. He, he had um, a vision of seeing me uh, returning to full-time basis. And I, I liked the idea. It's just, uh, it just wasn't going to be. The way it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, so what did you uh, learn? What did you learn going through all that about yourself, about life? Like what life lessons can you share with the rest of us who haven't been through until the COVID-19 thing came, haven't been through something so challenging. Cause that, that's a huge, that's a huge challenge that you, you went through and overcame and, and you're so positive about it. The issue is, uh, and I think it really is uh, um, relevant to the COVID uh, issue um, that we're in. The same thing uh, that uh, took me through that is uh, uh, live uh, each day because tomorrow I don't know if uh, we'll have that. Right. And um, make it uh, be the best that I can be. Yeah. And, ma and making a contribution too, because that's what you're doing now, right? You're contributing. Yes. Uh, when I uh, attempt to uh, make something each day, I attempt to uh, contribute uh, to others. If they're uh, maybe there are. Uh, fellow stroke uh, thriver instead of survivor. I, d I don't really like the word survivor or victim. Yeah. Uh, I, it sounds I, uh, negative. Oh, it is. Yeah. And um, uh, so thriver, you, call it, you call it thriver? Yes. Yeah, that's a better word. I like it. Because uh, it puts the focus on the positive. And um, so uh, another uh, who's th going through these stroke uh, issues, I can uh, hopefully share with him or her some um, thoughts that um, that keep me uh, going. Yeah, and so you do that? You, you talk to other stroke people that have um, survived a stroke and are working through it? Yeah, uh, uh, like for example, um, Providence Park uh, in Novi, the hospital there, has a um, group that meets once a month. I will get the do. I, I will go to there and uh, will offer my perspective. Okay, well that's amazing. So I bet you've met some interesting people through that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So how can how can veterinarians or or just the general population out there that are listening to us, how can they take what you've been through and the lessons that you've learned and apply it to their own lives. What, what would you think would be your top piece of advice? You, know, you kind of already said, you kind of have to take day by day, but what else would you? It's interesting because um, I don't um, throw the planning uh, part out. Don't do that. I just, um, it's important that you have your life every day stepwise towards the goal, but um, maybe um, don't worry if, uh, if it doesn't uh, 
happened quite like you planned it. Like if you hit a pivot point, like <laughs> you said it earlier, let that, let that be a pivot point and not a failure yes. and not, and not a tragedy. Yes. It's just, a, it's just a point in time that things aren't going exactly the way you projected, but you can still work towards your goals. Correct. That's kind of what I hear you saying. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's amazing advice. And that's kind of, that's how you live your life. And that's what, so what are your, what are your goals now moving forward? Um, um, I um, am into uh, real estate investing and okay. um, I own a, with another partner about seven properties uh, in Detroit. And, um, uh, and I um, will continue to look at uh, apartment buildings, uh, self uh, stories, uh, facilities and um, in fact the eighth uh, property which we own my partner and i uh is in um wayne state university um surroundings it's down it's uh, located uh, within a mile from uh the uh wayne state university campuses okay and we're going to renovate it uh, with the eye of uh putting students in uh there so that will be another way that uh, I can um, offer uh, a solution to the students. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that sounds like a great project. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, so we'll kind of wrap this up, I think. What, do you, what else do you want to get out there that we haven't talked about? Do you have any ideas that, of things that you want to share that we didn't talk about? I'm just going to look through. That might help people? Yeah, we kind of had a little bit of a list of questions, but we kind of, I think we, yeah. we covered a lot. Yes. And, uh, Is there any other advice that you want to give from your life? Or I know we talked about you might be writing a book, so might have to well, hold um, you to that. <laughs> well, um, uh, yes, you will. Um, <laughs> um, it's interesting. Uh, I have um, dabbled a little bit uh, in the... Um, in writing, and I um, know that I must um, must uh, write. Who cares whether I uh, release it to a broader uh, circulation right. than I do? But I just have to uh, keep writing, and uh, hopefully, um, I find. Um, uh, hopefully, I have some. Uh, advice that can help others oh yeah well i think you absolutely have given a lot of great advice on this podcast so i'm really fascinated so if anybody out there has any questions or they um, were inspired by your story i hope they'll email me and then i can contact you if you want to reach out yes. to them my email is uh, jacapeldvm at gmail.com so if anybody is interested in what Dr. Calhoun has to say or his story or something that he mentioned that we didn't cover in full, send me an email and I'll get you in touch. And um, maybe there'll be other questions or other words of advice that people ask of you. And uh, I'll contact you and let you know. That sounds perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I, I appreciate this so much. I really enjoyed talking to you and you told me a lot of things that I didn't know before. So I'm for sure going to pick your brain again the next time we meet up, but I just th thought this was a really fascinating conversation and I appreciate you and your positive attitude and 
I think that's what we all need right now. We need a, a bit of positivity. And I think you're a, you're a ray of sunshine. So Thank I you. really appreciate it. So well, um, I will uh, uh, look for you and uh, we talk when we uh, either get together face to face or virtually. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for a while it might have to be virtual, right? <laughs> We're all virtual right now. Yes. All right. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And everybody out there have a beautiful day. Try to stay positive and take care of yourselves and your families. Thanks so much, Brent. Goodbye. I appreciate it. Bye. Bye.